I'm Kate Daniels. In just a couple of decades, we've managed to create an environment where our kids have become possibly the most unhealthy generation of all time. Dr. Dan O'Neill is an orthopedic surgeon and sports psychologist who has great concern about this current situation and provides a solution in his new book, Survival of the Fit, How Physical Education Ensures Academic Achievement and a Healthy Life. We've turned the world upside down with all our latest inventions, and it's now time to get back to the basics. Dr. Dan O'Neill, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us today. Well, it's my pleasure, Kate. Thanks for having me. Well, I am very grateful that we have this opportunity because I think this is so fundamental. Youth is one thing. Their health and their fitness is then really hand-in-hand with them having a a good and, uh, and successful childhood leading into uh, teens and adult life. And now we're looking at your your book, this great book, I think, which is great for teachers and for for, uh, families, Survival of the Fit, really begins with a, a sentence about how in this country, we're looking at an epidemic of health crises and obesity with our youth. Right, we really are, and it's 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 just remarkable that this has been you know in our faces for you know years now, but nobody is really making a move on it. And and I suppose you know similar to smoking when I was a kid, it it, it takes a few um, years or decades even for people to get you know on the understanding of what's going on. But this is absolutely dramatic, and I hate using words like epidemic and crisis and this and that, but this truly is. And I love what you said about, you know, that idea of a, a good and, and, and contented life, because that's what really what we're talking about. We're not talking about aesthetics. We're not talking about, um, you know, s- success. We're not talking about anything but just kids kind of having good lives and, and fun and contentment. And they can't do any of those things if they're sick. Exactly. And certainly, looking at what we have in front of us, it's great that they're learning about computing and using this technology. But then if if it's balanced or out of balance, because that's where the focus is, what about then this physical activity that needs to go on so our bodies don't essentially become blobs? Kate, physical education is the most important subject in your child's school day. Physical education, gym class, whatever you want to call that, that is the most important subject because all, that, that is the basis for all these other subjects. So when I was in college, you know, uh, in the science building, physics and mathematics were in the first floor, chemistry on the second floor, and biology on the top floor. And that's what it is. You've got to build with the bottom, and the bottom is a fit child, a healthy child. You can't have a math genius or a science genius in an unhealthy body. It just doesn't work like that. And that's why in 2022, and again, this was not the case perhaps 50 years ago, but for sure in 2022, physical education is the most important subject, bar none, that we have in our schools today. However, 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 do we see that actually happening? I mean, when they look at cuts, they seem to be saying, oh, no, we're not going to have this. We're not even going to have recess for elementary school. So how do we do this? I mean, it seems like that pendulum is so far out there. And that's exactly right. It is a big but. 
because in 2002, with No Child Left Behind, with the best you know ideas of how to do better, how to get our kids doing well, they wanted to increase the math and English scores. So where did they cut the time from? They cut the time from phys ed, you know, for the most part. And what happened to our math scores? Nothing. We're still battling Czechoslovakia for 25th in the, way in the world, you know. So it, it, it doesn't work because the kids are just unfit. And what happened in 2007, just five years later, that was really what tilted the pendulum, and that was the introduction of the iPhone. And that's what really changed everything. And now it's, that's where we got into the crisis and the epidemic and all these other horrible words you want to use. That's what really happened. And, you know, the, the world has changed, and our children are in a different world than we were. And anything that you want to say about education that you, that w- where you looked at data from 10 years ago is useless because the world is completely different than it was, you know, 10 uh, years ago. Right. And so we acknowledge it's important to have reading and math. It's important to have STEM. However, if the body is going to be just sluggish and and sick, then how can we make any of the other work? Right. And that's why I talk about it's the body-mind connection. Mm. You know, people hear about the mind-body connection. No, it's the body-mind connection. The body is what drives our brain. If our body is not active, if our body is not sending signals up to the brain, the brain atrophies, you know, just like your muscles will atrophy. But you've got to start with the brain. I'm sorry, you've got to start with the body. You have to have a healthy body. And this is something Aristotle talked about, much less John F. Kennedy and, and other people. This is not anything new, and yet we seem to have forgotten about it, or it's been drilled out of our existence by, you know, the powers that be. And that's why we have to have a complete 180, and we have to start realizing that we need physical education, 45 minutes of good P.E. for every child, every day, every year of school. And that's, as you mentioned, in addition to a good recess period. So we know these are programs that have been cut, and I think they're perhaps uh, during the epidemic, they were maybe even cut more so, right? Yeah, right? absolutely, and absolutely. Yet on your website, and that is survivalofthefit.net, there's a video of a teacher in your state, in New Hampshire, who's able to have a really good program. How does that happen? Does she perhaps have your mentorship in there and, and with the school board or the district? How does that work? Yeah. yeah, she has the buy-in of the administrator of the school district, and that's what it takes. But even with the buy-in from that administrator, it's still a struggle to get enough time for the kids to have physical education. And the, the problem is, is that at the state mandates, X number of minutes of English, X number of minutes of math, et cetera, et cetera. And again, these were all put in in an old world. You know, these were all put in 50 years ago, you know, 40 years ago. It's changed. Everything changed in 2007. And that's why anything that you have before that is, is, is useless because the kids are in a different world now. And now physical education has turned out to be something we absolutely cannot live without. And yet, again, all these standards and all these uh, uh, state uh, boards have uh, not gotten around to it. I'm uh, giving a talk 
you know, a week or so, and I was putting together the slideshow this morning, and I have a snippet of a testimony I gave at our, at our local state house when we introduced a bill for this to have every uh, child have PE every day. And who are the legislators? And, and as the camera pans around, everybody is over the age of 50, and <laughs> most people are over the age of 70, you know? And I really believe that we don't understand, I'm 65, but a lot of us don't understand what's happened and the completely different world that our children uh, are, are growing up in today. And so the people that are making the decisions, the legislators, the administrators, the principals, again, if they're over the age of 40, they don't get it because it's, it's, that's how different it is today than it, you know, than it was when we were kids. So how do we get this message across to it? Is it educating the parents and the teachers uh, so that they get to the legislators? But even that's such a slow process. And this is in our faces right now. It needs to change now. Right. And, and, I, and I talk about that at the website, survivalthefit.net. I have letters to send to your legislators, but also to your PTA, to your principal. In other words, it has to go from the top down and from the bottom up. And we've got to use everything possible because children are not learning. So at the end of the day, besides the diabetes and the high blood pressure and the depression and all the other horrible things that are associated with kids not being active, you know, with obesity and dynapenia and all these other horrible things, all that aside, they're not learning, right? They're not able to learn. So if your parents... If you want your children to, to get educated, you need your children to be fit. And if you want your children to be fit, you have to get physical education for them every day. In 1866, the state of California mandated two exercise periods for their kids every day. 1866. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't getting to school in the school bus those days. And, but they knew, again, how important this was. And we just we think we've evolved so much that we've, we're not these primitive beings. Well, I got news for you guys. We haven't evolved in the last 250,000 years very much, and we are still these primitive beings that need exercise. We, we, we don't seek it. We need it. We need it for our, for our bodies and brains to function, and we, we have to do something. And that's at least for 180 days a year in the school year, we should be getting our children moving you know, for 45 minutes twice a day, and that's going to go a long way to uh, to solving this issue. And going back to that word epidemic, because it is really at that level with our kids is the whole idea of depression. I think of myself as a kid, I, I can't even really remember having those kinds of days. Yes, I might be kind of down, but this depression that leads to suicide uh, is just so incomprehensible. And as a sports psychologist, don't you see a correlation that with being active and getting out there and having that energy w bounce around within us, that that is something that will counteract some of that uh, mental, well, just the cloud that hangs over? It's, it's, it's not even close. We have all the data we need. We have all the data we need that, to, to see that obesity is linked to depression and anxiety. We have all the data we need to see that obesity and, 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 and not moving, uh, you know, even if you're skinny, you could be, you have dynapenia, you don't have any muscle mass. 
We know that that's linked to poor grades. We know that these things are linked. We don't need any more studies. All the data is in my book, but all the data is everywhere. Every time you open the newspaper, it's there. One of the big points that I try to make in the book is that we are not born this way. We do not become obese because of thyroid disease or because of of genetics. We are this way because of society. We are this way because of Facebook and Zuckerberg and and Coca-Cola and all these things that are societal. But we're born with a physical identity, what I call a physical identity. And, And again, you look at any of these cute animal films or these cute baby films. That's what we're born doing. We're born being curious and grabbing things and touching things and living in three dimensions. That's where we want to live. But what happens is, is that is beaten out of us by advertising, by you know, uh, two-screen, two-dimensional entertainment, and by ultra-processed foods. And so by the time we get to the age of seven or so, that's when we're addicted now. And it's, it's just absolutely striking and, and horrible when you look at all the data what happens and 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 it's something in our um in in our will if we want to make these changes just like we did with cigarettes and we can do this but it's going to take a huge uh, a a huge uh, process and again it's going to have to come from the top down and from the bottom up and so this bottom up is is i think then the critical part that parents really need to use those directions from your book, from Survival of the Fit, and write these letters, send these letters to their schools and to the legislators. Right, and even better, go to the meetings. You know, go to the school board meetings and go to the schools and say, why is it we have all this data, and, you know, Dr. O'Neill talks about this and a million other people have been talking about it. Why is it we have all this data and we're not making any changes? Again, we have, by the time... Uh, you know, we got past R.J. Reynolds in the bunch, and people finally agreed that tobacco was causing lung cancer. We made changes. You know, we have all that data now. Why can't we break through that? And again, I appreciate it. it's incredibly complex, but we have the data. We can't keep ignoring that because our children are sick. They are not getting sick from smoking cigarettes 50 years on like we did as kids. They are sick now. They have diabetes at the age of 14. They have high blood pressure. They have depression and anxiety. You know, we just can't say this enough. These poor children are not having fun. (laughs) You know, they're not having a good time because they're not getting out there with Mother Nature, which is where they belong and where a big chunk of their brain knows they belong. Now, here's perhaps a catch to all of this. If the parents are... (laughs) already of a generation that has kind of leaned toward this, if they're not demonstrating, if they're not really going to be as involved as their kids, is that going to, or will they be motivated to write to the school boards and attend meetings? Yeah, you're exactly right. With 42 plus percent of of our population being obese, it's a tough sell. And what happens is the, the children have become addicted already. So if a parent with the best intentions, uh, even a parent who's not obese and who's not inactive themselves, if that parent says to that 15-year-old, you have to start getting off this couch and we have to start doing things as a family, blah, 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 that 15-year-old is going to revolt. They're not going to want to do anything. They are addicted. They're already gone. 
to make changes in that 15-year-old right now is incredible because who's fighting against you as a parent? The forces in Silicon Valley and the forces of ultra-processed fast foods, and they are spending a lot more money, and they have a lot more PhDs, and they are really smart, and they're really clever, and they're going to win. So what my plan talks about is taking advantage of the physical identity that children have. They already have it. They are born with it. Don't let them lose that physical identity. So what I want to do, in addition to parents making sure that their three- and four-year-olds are getting active and, and being outside as much as humanly possible, once they get to kindergarten, they have the two physical education classes a day or, again, physical education a recess. Then the next year, it's kindergarten and first grade. And then next year, it's kindergarten one and two, and so on and so on. So then if you come in and say, all of a sudden in sixth grade, oh, sorry, kids, you're only getting one PE class a week, then the kids are going <laughs> to a different, it's going to be a different revolt, you yeah. know, because now they're used to it. And now their primitive brains are wired and they're healthy and they know that that's what they need. They know they need to get their bodies moving, you know, get their heart rates up at least a couple of times a day. Because like you say, right now, it's an entire population. It's not just our youth, but it's the parents but it's, it's a really, really scary time. Right. So that is the thing. We're talking about building these habits. So we've sloughed off into doing kind of the easy thing and being mesmerized by these flashing lights on the screen and all these uh, enhanced nutritionless foods that are available. So that's a habit we got into. Now we can switch this around and it will probably even be economically more beneficial if we switch gears this way. Kate, the numbers are astronomical. And so th thank you for bringing it up. So what your uh, listeners are going to say is, well, hold on. If we hire more PE teachers or we have to build another gymnasium or, or more athletic fields or, or whatever, that's going to cost money. And we're already maxed. Our taxes are already maxed. Well, let me tell you, what costs money is obesity. What costs money is diabetes. What costs money is mental health care. And that's what we're dealing with. And that costs a lot more money. Doctors and insulin and inhalers cost a lot more money than gym teachers and gyms and balls and grass. That's what costs money. But the difference is, is that we're not seeing that because the insulin is in our federal taxes and the insulin is in our health insurance and in Medicaid and Medicare. And people aren't seeing that as, as much as they see a new teacher added to their school budget or a new police cruiser added to their town budget. And so they don't have the idea that this crisis that we have, this obesity crisis, is costing us billions, billions, billions. And so I did some quick numbers. And again, your listeners could do this. Obesity roughly can cost us $50 billion a year, $50 billion with a B, whereas if we added two PE teachers to every school – <laughs> at the cost of $150,000 a year, that's $3.3 So, you know, the numbers don't, don't equate at all. So we can afford it. We absolutely can afford it, and we have to afford it because, you know, things are just going, keep going down that road. And like you say, it's a lot cheaper if we prevent these kids from getting sick than if we try to treat their illnesses. Oh, exactly. And part of the illness is just such a horrible place to live. Why would we want to condemn anyone to that kind of lifestyle? So 
it's the discussion of feeling vital and vibrant and really invigorated about the things that we do in life. Absolutely. Nobody says they feel worse after a walk in the woods <laughs> or, or a walk around the block or a swim. You know, nobody says, oh, I wish I hadn't taken that swim. That was silly. I wish I didn't go skiing that day. That was silly, you know. And there are these things that are available, you know, even for inner city kids and for rural kids. And yes, depending on where you live, it's a little bit more work. But there are so many things available, you know, through communities and through other organizations but you can't think of it as an option, you know, if you have kids. We have to stop thinking about getting our kids active as an option because, as you point out, nothing is going to be good about their lives if they're spending seven-plus hours, which is what the average teenager does now, seven-plus hours in front of a screen every day. That's no way to live. And we can't subject our children to a future like that because it's just not fun. Precisely. And then you extrapolate from that. No wonder there's depression because there's just this feeling of, I think, just having energy that doesn't know where to go and therefore it's kind of focused inward. And I don't understand all the physiology of all of that, but I think that that's kind of what happens with them. Absolutely, Kate. This made me sit down and I've been looking at all this data. The incoming freshmen this past September... 50% said that they had mental health struggles. 50% of 18-year-olds going into college this past September said they had mental health issues. That is absolutely extraordinary. And by the way, we haven't even mentioned the fact that this generation is going to have a shorter lifespan (laughs) than our generation because of this, this sickness. Again, mental health and the physical health. But how sad is that, that 50% of these kids go into college? It's just, it's so mind-boggling. It's so sad. And, and the fact that we're not doing everything, you know, again, I, I feel like there are two issues that as voters and as, as Americans, we should concern ourselves with. One is what's going on with our children and their health issues. And the second is climate change. And the two go hand in hand. But those are the two issues that affect everything, everything about our lives right now. Right. Interesting that you're saying that they do go hand in hand. Are you suggesting that being outdoors and physically active, somehow we're going to be more concerned or do what we can to keep our environment or, you know, kind of reverse some of the effects on our environment? Right. You would hope, and it's the other way around. If we keep putting our heads in these screens, you know, which is what, you know, Silicon Valley wants us to do. We don't care about the environment, right? Mm. And then it continues to deteriorate. And they say, oh, no, no, don't worry about it. We'll hook you up with these, you know, binoculars, these screens. And so you can live your entire life, right, in the metaverse, in this sick, sad world with, you know, and, and with no smells and with no touch and with no human interaction. And this is really sci-fi stuff come to life. This is what they're proposing, and this is the absolute worst thing. And again, we cannot push back on our primitive brains. And again, I would go as far as to say, you know, with with all the, the violence and the shootings and all this other stuff, because like you say, human beings, we, we need somewhere to put our energy. I have a, an octopus on the uh, cover of my book. You know anything about these creatures, they're absolutely brilliant. But just like puppy dogs, just like an octopus, 
human beings need to be doing things every day. We need to be doing things physically every day with our body. Otherwise, our brain, you know, gets, gets cranky and our brain, you know, looks for, you know, naughty things to do rather than happy things to do because we just don't know what else, you know, we're struggling. And, and so we've got to get outside. We've got to, uh, you know, attach ourselves to Mother Nature because that's what we're, you know, we're, we're wired to do. And connected to looking at those screens and what attracts so much of the young people's uh, attention and older as well. But there's just so much that's negative or misinformation that uh, trying to figure all that out is in itself kind of crazy making. Oh, uh, absolutely. And that's right. And that's the, you know, (laughs) and, and, and. it, and it keeps just going on, right? It, right. You know, not only that, but they, 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 Silicon Valley, and again, the Silicon Valley people admit to this. Their job is to try to addict us to not turning off our screen, and 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 then our brain is saying, hold it, but I, I still need that that hit of Mother Nature, and that's where the str- struggle comes in, and that's why I think you're right. I think that's a lot of the mental illness that we're having is because we're having this incredible struggle uh, within ourselves between you know. Uh, our cognitive brain and our primitive brain and and what we know we need from Mother Nature and what they're trying to sell us and trying to keep us doing on the two-dimensional entertainment. It's a really remarkable, and and I don't want your listeners to get the idea that, you know, we're wearing aluminum foil hats and we're really, you know, nuts about this, but it really is happening. And again, we have the data. We have the people coming out of Facebook that have told us, oh, yeah, that's, that's our job. Our job was to get kids to never turn off Facebook and to get as many likes as possible, et cetera, et cetera. And so none of this stuff is secret. So it really is parallel to the junk food industry and making everything so tasty, but it's so full of calories and (laughs) no nutrition value. It's very and for similar. Sure, I talk about the ultra-processed foods and the screen entertainment as being, you know, the, the two heads of, of this monster that we're fighting. Mm. And, you know, kind of uh, Burger King and McDonald's was just getting started when I was a kid. And it was a big treat, you know. You would go to McDonald's or Burger King, and it was a big treat to have these hamburgers. But you're not supposed to have them every day, you know. Right. And that's what is happening with these processed foods. And uh, it's so sad. And that's why, you know, we talk about, uh, I don't talk about nutrition a lot, but the idea of the food deserts and the idea of, you know, getting back to the schools, making sure there are health standards in the schools because there is no money for it from Sodexo and for uh, these other food companies. You know, there's no money in it to have us eating fresh local foods as much as possible. They want us to buy their product that travels a number of miles and is processed. And again, that's an easy place to cut down on your school budget too, isn't it? You don't have to have as many cafeteria workers because the food is ultra-processed, it's easy to prepare and such, you know. And it really is this vicious cycle that we're in but we've got to recognize this and start talking about it like we're doing today. Precisely. And I'm so grateful to you, Dr. O'Neill, for being so passionate and committed to this and seeing what we're dealing with and helping us to become informed and educated and making it simple to know what we need to do to become involved, become active in that, and starting with our young children, maybe it's our grandchildren, and doing what we can to incorporate that into their life and methodically turn the ship around. 
Yeah, that's right, Kate. Thank you so much for saying that. Because this is a, a subject that nobody comes up to me after my talks and says, O'Neill, you got this all wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Just the opposite. They come up and say, I know. They say, we used to have so much fun as kids. We used to be playing. We used to be doing this. And they say, and my grandchildren aren't having any fun. You know, and it's not a Republican or a Democrat or a socialist issue. Mm. Everybody says the same things. Everybody says our kids today are not happy, but we're just not doing anything about it. But we can do something about it because we are wired to be happy. We're wired to be involved with Mother Nature and to be outdoors. We just have to leave that wire alone, leave that wiring alone and let kids and let children continue to be those active, curious beings they were born as, and things will go in the right direction. There's no question. Yes, we have the power to do that. We just need to act. And I feel one is get a copy of this book, become that much more informed, and check out this website. And your website is? Survivalofthefit.net. Yes. So lots of information, great information there. And then we need to act on it, not just accumulate this knowledge. Get involved. Absolutely. This is the issue that trumps everything out there. This is the issue of our time right now. And you might feel like the climate change is too big an issue to get involved with. This is not too big an issue. Get involved with this. You know, whether you don't have children in the school system anymore, those children are still our future. We Mm. all have to get involved with this. And it's just going to work out better for everybody. It'll it'll just be a better experience for for everyone. Exactly. Well, Dr. Dan O'Neill, I do appreciate all of your work and certainly for taking time with us this morning, inspiring us and making sure, I'm hoping, that we make sure we do something about it, not just say, oh, this was good to listen to. Yeah, thanks, Kate. And again, at the website uh, is my email. And so you contact me if you want me to uh, make a phone call to one of the administrators or whatever. I'm happy to do that. This is a, a revolution, you know, for our children's health. And, uh, and we can do this. We can do this if we pull together. Absolutely. Well, again, thank you so greatly for all of this information and for being so passionate about this work, this life-saving work. My pleasure, Kate. Anytime.